Here's a quick word from our sponsor. Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. It's me, one of your hosts, Kevin, and I'm joined by Anthony, one of our other hosts. Hello, Anthony. Hello. Hey. And uh, today we have yet another guest. It's Alex Patterson of... Yeah, how how would you like (laughs) me to introduce you? Uh, Are you from Coding Cat Dev or are you you from AppWrite? Let's hear it's a it. very, very fair question. So I am I'm the founder of CodingCat.dev. I am also a developer advocate for AppRite. Ah, so so I wasn't wrong in any of the No. No. You nailed All right. It. <laughs> so a man of many hats. But actually I was gonna say you really do have a lot of hats because they're all behind yeah. you. <laughs> oh, I wow. try to collect. I never wore hats growing up, and then as an adult I suddenly had a collection for some reason. So, wow. so Alex has this setup behind him with I don't know I I'm gonna try to count here. Is it? Is it like eight eight hats? But there's also an avocado hat and and a, a pineapple hat. Is that a hat? So those are those are more like DevRel things. So one of them is right. the uh, Firebase. Um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Like the Sparky. mascot, Sparky. There we go. Sparky is uh, Firebase's mascot. I'm a I'm a Firebase GDE as well. So I finally got to uh, talk them into giving me one of those. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> this year, actually, at at um, at one of their conferences, they were giving them away, and I'm like, it took me years to get one of those. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, wow. yeah, I have a couple of plushies just for developer advocacy type stuff, which is fun. Makes sense. Nice. Makes sense. You you tend to collect a lot of a lot of conference stuff, I guess, over the years. Um, yeah, I keep all right. trimming mine down. <laughs> cool. So so, what what do you do? Like, what's a what's a what's a normal day for Alex? Like, oh my goodness, I don't know what a normal day is. That's that's <laughs> part of being a developer advocate. That's that's part of the trick. Um, so. It's it's kind of interesting being a developer advocate because some days it's it's like this you're just doing kind of interviews and, and talking all day. Other days um, I'm writing demos and writing app apps just for people to check out. Um, especially on the app right side, there's so many different possibilities because um, app app right for those who don't know is a backend as a service, um, kind of similar to Firebase if you used it, very similar to Superbase. Um, where you can do authentication, storage, database. Um, I'm probably missing some things. Cloud functions in there. We're rolling out some new features, which I, I think I can talk about at this point. If not, <laughs> you know, it's All okay right. too. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we'll get to that 
point further in the, in the podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so much. Uh, so yeah, like a lot of my day is either kind of sampling that out or, um, uh, the, the other part of it is probably a lot of writing, right? Which with like yep. Chad GPT, I don't even know if any of us will have to write in the future, which is nice. So. That would be nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a mixture of all of those things, a lot of video editing, um, you name it. I'm, I'm doing something different each day, which kind of works for my brain actually really well. If I was stuck yep. doing the same thing day in, day out, I'd probably go crazy. Right, that's fair. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of. So I, I, I guess my my role is kind of similar to yours in that sense that I get to do a lot of different things. Like this last week, I've been, I've been doing YouTube Shorts for the Svelte Society YouTube channel, which is I've <laughs> never done that before. It's very. It almost feels like marketing, though, which is not what I kind of want to do. Right. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. <laughs> firmly in that category, isn't it? Yeah. Short, shorts are like an answer to the attention spans of people reducing. Yes, <laughs> TikTok. I always feel guilty. Know. Yeah, well, that's it. I feel guilty when I'm sort of engaging in them or, or you know, thinking about is this right. a good thing or not. I always feel guilty. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like I, I might have mentioned this to Brittany last week when we recorded the podcast, but, um. Like they, they've recently started having like multiple videos in one video. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Ooh. like they, they'll have like half of the screen is one video and then they'll have two small squares below that Wow! with two other videos. Because of course, how can you only watch one video at a time? Oh my like gosh. That makes no sense. And to my, to my millennial brain, that's, that's <laughs> just too, too much. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. we're turning you know, all of our uh, species into goldfish with our memory capability. <laughs> yeah. At least we'll have ChatGPT to save us. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the savior of ChatGPT. <laughs> anyway, sorry, tangent. Um, so, so what's what's your story like in in terms of programming and engineering and stuff? What, where are you? Sure. Where you? Yeah. I, so I, I think I kind of knew all my life that I wanted to do something in computers, but early on I didn't know what something meant. And uh, it took me a little while to figure it out. I went. I actually went to college to become an engineer and took my first Java class and was like, "Well, oh, wait a minute, this is amazing." I had taken like C plus plus and things like that before, but didn't like it that much and kind of right. assumed like maybe programming wasn't going to be my thing. Um, but yeah, then we then we started writing Java um, and switched my whole major to computer science at that point, um, or information systems, I should say, because yep. I am not a, a technical, technical person. Um, I always knew I'd, I'd kind of need to be able to talk to people, and at that time, that was infor information systems because it wrapped a, a business degree around the CS right. side, so... Um, so I did get like I, associates or whatever in business as well as information systems. Throughout that period, I started writing a lot of PHP and just web. Uh, if if folks remember Dreamweaver that are listening, uh, a lot of a lot of Dreamweaver back in those days. Oh, yeah, um, but that it's funny that you mentioned mentioned Dreamweaver. Uh, we actually talked with uh, a guy called Eric Brehalt from uh, I think he's from Nuclea. It's some some AI. Uh, startup, shocker, right? Startup doing AI. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so so he 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 talked a lot about like this, 
his history of like going from from the early web and then going into like stuff and I, and I even met, and I mentioned Dreamweaver because I used Dreamweaver that was like my first experience of doing websites as well maybe we should actually include like a link to I wonder if there are like videos of like the old version of Dreamweaver so people can oh, see what it was totally actually like there totally are out on YouTube yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna is try it a product yeah it, it um, still comes with Adobe um Wow, Adobe really? Yeah. Oh. Started on Notepad, but then I used Front Page, and that was my, that was my thing. Yeah, I loved I Notepad plus plus for years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this was just like regular Notepad inside Windows, I think. Um, oh, yeah, wow. I wasn't advanced. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, continue. Sorry for for no, the it's all good. There. So yeah, that that was kind of my. I, so I got my undergrad, and then uh, quickly coming out of college. They're like, you know, you need to find a job, obviously. <laughs> so I yes. just happened to stumble into, um, I, I'm located in southwest Michigan, and it's it's basically the capital furniture um, area of the world. <laughs> All the headquarters are here for their office furniture. Um, so is that like where Ashley Furniture has their headquarters? And No, but uh, no. <laughs> that's kind of funny. <laughs> So the the top ones, number one is is Steelcase, and then you have Herman Miller, Hayworth. Oh, oh I see. They're all right. kind of in this area, right? So there's yeah. a lot of subsidiaries um, underneath those brands. A lot of manufacturing actually happens on the East Coast, but this is where like the headquarters are. So all of their IT staff and things like that are up here. Um, a lot of the manufacturing has actually moved back, which is surprising too. Anyways. Yep. Um, so I, I jumped into that, and they're like, um, well, we actually run SAP. Uh, we need people that you know need to be able to learn this because we know a lot of a lot of people don't learn it in school or anything like that, which has changed too. But, um, so you're going to write this thing called ABAP. <laughs> so uh, what? Uh, yeah, A A B A P. It's it's a uh, it's that sounds SAP's very corporate. Own, yeah, it's SAP's own proprietary language, if you will. Um, it, it was nice though. ABAP, I wrote it um, roughly for ten years. You know, a decade of SAP type work. I think I was in the the field for like twelve, thirteen years. But a lot of that ended up being architectural stuff on top of that. So, um, still loved web though. Like I, I, anything we did, I'm like this should be somehow web based. Um, so we'd, yeah. we'd put up full, um, like for our manufacturing line, I'd, I'd put up displays and we'd write it all in HTML and, you know, spit out a RFC um, out of their side. So I'd go write ABAP backend code with a .NET uh, middleware to a front end whatever at that point. Right. So I think we were, <laughs> we were writing a lot of uh, early on jQuery, obviously, but then kind of moved into... Um, uh, forgetting the name of it at the moment, but it doesn't matter. Some dot, yep. dot net type stuff. And uh, the whole time just thinking to myself, like I, I have to be just in tech full time. This is ridiculous. It's a big difference when you're working for an office furniture company doing tech to working for a tech company, right? So yeah, um, I got to the point where I, I just knew I couldn't stay. And uh, finally... Decided to jump out and do some consulting and things like that, and then started at my my first startup was uh, Builder.io with Steve and Mishko. Oh, and interesting! That clan over there. So, yeah, 
it's it's been a fun ride. Uh, startup life is not the same as my first uh, 10, 12 no, years no, of totally. enterprise, right? It's, it's build a bit a more build uh, is a pretty fluid. good jump off point, isn't it? Into that yeah, it wasn't world. bad. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a kind of a a mind or how do I say this? Like when you talk about probably five people that have influenced the web in the last ten years, yeah, has got to be right at the top, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so you know, there is there is Rich Harris, but you know, let's, <laughs> let's not worry about that too much. <laughs> right, right. Spelt podcast. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Fo- focus, Alex. Focus. No, I'm kidding. Shoot. <laughs> so yeah, all I right. Mean, as yeah. as you kind of grow up and move along, like that's that's how programming kind of came to me. It was just you know what I needed to learn as I went, and my biggest passion through that whole thing was always web development. So I always came back to it. That's great. So you you started at Builder.io, I guess, in your web dev kind of after after leaving the the other stuff behind. Uh, so where when did you when did you get into Svelte? Like, is 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 that close to to the same time that you started, or did would, you try I everything? Yeah, I would probably actually say that Brittany's uh, continually push towards Svelte got me into Svelte. So um, right. part of the <laughs> the founding of Coding Cat, I started up the podcast for Coding Cat. And um, relatively, I think a year in, Brittany had reached out and um, I, I came to find out she was like literally 20 minutes from my house, which was totally <laughs> random oh. and, and weird. So. Um, we're in the same area, and she's like, I'd love to join you for the podcast and uh, help you out with the yeah. site and all that stuff. So Brittany's been helping me with Coding Cat since, I don't know, year two, essentially, of the site. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of big changes to it. So um, being being someone who's always constantly like checking out the web and needs to stay up on it for everything that we do, um, Svelte was always out there, but it was always kind of one of these things like, yeah, there's a ton of JavaScript frameworks that come and yeah. go, and you know what makes this one unique? And you start to realize, like, wow, this is different in many ways. You know, the precompile yeah. and things like that, and getting closer or back to JavaScript um, was nice, especially after having written um, like React with Next.js for a while and running right. into all the. I'll call it issues. I don't know if it's an issue, yep. a feature of uh, <laughs> reactivity in React. Um, mm-hmm. That that kind of uh, has put a bad taste in my mouth for sure. So um, Svelte kind of came in at that, that same time for me, and we started checking out. And it wasn't quite where I wanted it yet. So yep. we had paused for a long time. And then all the things that I needed started appearing in SvelteKit. Right. Um, that, that I would want in a, a site. And uh, I think we're almost to the point. Um, we've been kind of slowly rewriting to Svelte over that course of that time. But uh, we hit that point where I think just recently ISR and things have been uh, talked about. Yeah. So it's it's finally to the point where I'm okay to start to actually make the switch. So it's yeah, really exciting for me. It's funny then, you you mentioned the the ISR. I just saw today a tweet from someone that showed ISR. So ISR is incremental static uh, regeneration. For for those that don't know, it's basically a way of of like caching a a response for a certain time for a certain time, and then you don't have to like rerun the function every time someone visits 
this particular page, I guess. Would, would that be an okay explanation? I don't know. Uh, so uh, I just saw today a tweet by someone showing that, so this currently works in adverse cell only in this Svelte um, adapter ecosystem. But I just saw today someone posting a Cloudflare example from two years ago with this stuff <laughs> implemented. So I assume really? they're using like workers key value store or whatever it's called uh, over there. So that'd be cool to see if that that would be possible to integrate into into the the Cloudflare adapter. But we'll see. Yeah, and we've we've actually been running CodingCAD on ISR through Next.js for a, a long time now. Um, but the the advantage for us is huge. I mean, we can make our site static for, you know, a long time. We could actually probably make most of our pages 6 months plus. Um, yeah. Just make those static because of the changes for ISR. You can just hit them that one time and say, "Hey, revalidate this page." So it's it's been really nice. It really lowers the traffic burden and bandwidth uh, stuff that you're getting yeah. into. But yeah, it's it's funny too though the the SSR so server side rendered side of things it's uh, becomes very nice too for a lot of the the coursework that we're implementing too. So I think knowing kind of the architecture and the capabilities of whatever framework you're in is really key. I was actually just just did a podcast with Angel who's writing this book about uh, build a front-end web framework from scratch. Ooh. And it's funny, the more, the more I've done from scratch, I've learned not to uh, say anything bad about frameworks because of how much... <laughs> How much you take for granted, right? Like, yeah. just the if statement, right? Like, it's amazing to me how much you take for granted right there. Like, go get this damn node, hide it, do this, and, like, it's all right. in one, like, poof, if. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and so a lot of a lot of us, including myself, I don't know about you guys, but we kind of learned um, to write web pages via a framework. So, yep. like, for myself, that was Angular 2. Like, that's how I wrote... Before that, it was PHP and WordPress, obviously, but realistically, like I used a framework. And then to go back and completely yank out a framework and try to write some some JavaScript to do what you want, it's so much slower. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, I, re I remember writing a. So I did this WordPress gig a while back, like a couple of years, and I and I had just dabbled a bit a bit with Vue at the time. I I didn't know no Vue at all. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to write this in vanilla JavaScript. So I wrote like a what was it? It was like a like a slider kind of thing and it was so much work to just get it to like <laughs> and and even a slider that can be kind of complicated to make even in a in in a framework. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's amazing all of those kind of little adaptive things. And really with uh, like Svelte, um, all the transitions and like all of the web APIs that, that get pulled in, it just makes things so much easier. So um, yeah. the great part for me working at APRA is they have really embraced Svelte as well. So um, we actually have a, a new design library that we call Pink. It's pink.appright.io. Um, and that we actually use within SvelteKit to build our, what we call a console. So um, mm -hmm. the console at AppRite is kind of the front end, if you will, of our back end. So that's yep. what's utilizing all of our API calls and things like that. So um, if you're lucky enough, we're technically still in private beta. I don't know when this comes out, but we'll, uh, we'll be 
out of one private or, beta. One or two soon. weeks. Yeah, so <laughs> we might we might be out by the time this comes out. Um, but uh, right around then, if if you check out cloud dot uh, anything in there, um, you'll see for what people think the application is. That's our front end for all of our services at that point. Um, so that's what's getting deployed currently with all of your self-hosted versions and everything like that. And it's really been fun to see kind of what we're using SvelteKit for and what we'll be using it for in the future and, and see it grow in a very, enterprise is the wrong word, that feels gross, but a very, <laughs> very structured and mature application. Yeah, I'm looking yep. on the on the pink site under build, <clears throat> and I'm seeing the installation where you do you install it by npm and import it. And I really like, I really enjoy the fact that the Svelte logo is the biggest bubble. Oh, makes yeah. me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> just, yep. It's just a few pixels bigger than the React one. Yeah, and I I think if you go to I'm gonna get it wrong, so I'll look it up as we're talking. <laughs> oh, you, I, I put it in here. I forgot. So if you go to GitHub.com/slash/appright/slash/console, that is the actual console that runs what what people think of as Appright. So that's oh. Svelte and Svelte Kit running there, Ooh, and you'll nice. see 81 percent Svelte, 18 percent TypeScript. <sighs> Uh, wow. That's that's a good ratio. I'm curious ratio. what the the point three other is. It must be a YAML file <laughs> or JSON or something. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you can't click the the other yeah thing. It's kind of a bummer, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe a, a feature I request. That one time, GitHub had like, like an actual graph. I don't see that anymore. Like a pie chart type thing. Yeah. That oh, you can yeah, you can click you can click Svelte and TypeScript, but you can't click other. Yeah. I, oh. I thought they had a, another like graph of this stuff though. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So my my worlds kind of collided there. Like learning about Svelte um, and then going to a company that has really embraced it. Um, Apparit's kind of unique though in in how we do a lot of things because we support so many SDKs and so many languages. It was somewhat amazing to me to realize just how many web developers we had and how passionate they are. And right. every, every, all the time we talk about pros and cons of different frameworks, what should we be focusing on? And Svelte, honestly, is is right up there. The only other thing that we often talk about is Astro um, yep. for, for kind of our go-to language. The hard part in saying that is that uh, React and Next.js takes up a huge amount of our like user base still because React is so massive. So it's always kind of one of those things you're, you're torn about, but we just feel like in the next five years, that's going to change so much that we're okay with where we're at. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's kind of like you have to, to cater to, to your audience in, in, mm -hmm. or your customers, I guess, in your case, um, in some sense. Uh, it wouldn't make sense to just like don't not make an SDK for for Next.js or Nuxt or these other frameworks, right? Yeah, exactly. I, it's it's interesting. Mm. Like th there was this article, I think yesterday on on Hacker News uh, called the I think it was called Thoughts on Svelte, and it was basically a developer going through their experience using Svelte and the uh, the drawbacks and the pros and all this, um, and I. I, I thought about 
this article a lot, and they they had trouble with like they they liked Svelte, but they had some issues with like reactive statements that like if you use too many reactive statements, it can get very hairy pretty quickly because you you have no idea like what will trigger which reactive statements and and in what order, etc. And and then I it it kind of hit me like reading the comments of this art of on Hacker News and most people are just like oh, oh it's not JSX blah 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 it's the blah 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 you know the 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 usual it's not JSX it's not JavaScript how can you use this oh it's so ugly blah blah uh, and they then said that about JSX once too just that yeah <laughs> I, I I'm sure they did so <laughs> basically what what I realized is that like. Developer experience really is key when when it comes to to getting new people to try new frameworks. So there's a lot of hype around, for example, Solid JS right now, and I'm sure Solid JS is great, but it still uses JSX, which is not like you you would think that that would be a pro because you can just transfer re your React knowledge to Solid, and then you, obviously there are some differences, but you could you could do that, but why not just go the step another step forward and just use something that's even easier and ditches the the JSX part? Um, so so to me, the the more I use Svelte and the more I think about Svelte is it's it's just like the DX. It's the it's the the most important thing. A lot of people think about like the performance, but I I absolutely am. Convinced that it's the developer experience, and it also shows in in the the kind of people that show up to learn Svelte. I think in the Discord you can you can for example see a lot of beginners show up, yep. and they 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 like they always say this thing like oh I tried React but it was so hard and then I tried Svelte and it's so easy, and I think it, in in time that is gonna shift. The, the user base from these more complicated like JSX based frameworks into something that looks like Svelte. If it's not Svelte, then something that comes after it that takes it even further. The the funny part for me is uh, I probably have a alternative thought mm -hmm. to to kind of most folks writing Svelte, and I really enjoyed the JSX language. I did not enjoy the React side of it. So I would be more than happy to write, you know, JSX style for Svelte as well, um, you know, with the way that maps work and, and if statements and things yep. like that are working. Um, there's some great tools, like Builder.io has, has theirs uh, as well that's written in JSX. Yeah. Uh, forgetting the name. It starts Quick. with M. Um, it's My, the one mitosis. that transpiles. Mitosis, thank you. Yeah. Um, same thing, like you can write... JSX and it will spit out to any language, including yep. Svelte. And it's like I really enjoy that experience. I I can't quite put my finger on it either. And it's right. something weird about like putting pound signs with ifs and like all of that stuff. And you know, Brittany and I will be yep. talking, and she's like, "That's why it's better." And I'm like, "No, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> it's not better or worse to me. Like, it's just different." Yeah, I th I think maybe I'm I'm probably saying JSX, but I'm probably thinking about the whole experience. If that makes yeah. sense. So you know, like you have to create a function to create a component, and inside that you have to use a use state kind of thing. I, to me, it all it all just like it's the same thing. But I understand that JSX is just the the templating part. But 
anyway, it's like in, in a couple of years, we're just going to be able to tell ChatGPT to, to generate a Svelte function from a comment or something, and we'll, uh, we'll never have to write code again. <laughs> I haven't tried Git Copilot X or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you guys either. tried that yet? No. No, not Copilot X. I have I'll, a really hard time. Honest. Like, I, I had a hard time leaving Copilot on for recording videos because it will... <sighs> Always be audio filling and stuff, and I'm like, ah, yeah, ah, yeah. Like I need to type this as like someone new learning would type it, not how I want it for Copilot. So, right, yeah, exactly. When oh. I've been interviewing people for roles, I've left it on, and they sort of pair and they share my my VS Code instance, and they're always happy to see the um, Copilot there. Then they go, oh, should I turn it off? I'm like, no, because I wouldn't expect you to turn it off at work. Right. So why would it why would it be a reasonable thing to do to turn off an interview? Because it has to be like real life, you know. I I know I know you can code. I know you can read docs. Like that's not the test, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's more about like putting these Legos together into something that that functions. It's Speaking how you do it, right? It's approach. Yeah, I was gonna say just uh, a couple of days ago, I tried tried generating a load function for. Uh, for a Svelkit page using ChatGPT, and it was a lot of fun. And it, <laughs> it like almost did it, but I think it's using like Svelkit version from 2021 or something. So it's it's, it's Are still you using ChatGPT four. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's got an old an older data set. Yeah, exactly. But you could you could you can feed feed it like with this uh, like you could put in uh, this is how a Svelkit load function looks. Yeah. Please write me one that does X, Y, or Z or something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, this is not a Chat GPT <laughs> podcast, but it's so it's so cool. Like, ah. yeah, it's going to be hard yeah. not to talk about these things just constantly yeah. coming up. Yeah, I, I was able to actually get to, to continue the conversation. Sorry, but I, I have mm -hmm. access yep, to sorry. the Google Bard as well, and ah. I'm hoping um, they're talking about a lot of our the GDE folks being able to get. Uh, the API access to it. I'm like, when can I get that? Because that's the piece I'm really curious about. And it's amazing yeah. how quickly it's learning. That's that's the piece that shocked me. Like we asked it something one day, it was way off. And then the next day it's yeah. perfectly spot on. And it's pulling wow. live data on like GPT four, ah, not pulling interesting. So, so I I will be curious how quickly Things are going to catch up to the point where it's putting like its own pull requests in for SvelteKit. <laughs> yeah, I think there is an AI that's doing that. There's an AI that's just doing pull requests on a site constantly, right? That's I can't remember cool. what it's called. <laughs> the site that's a funny terrible. side project. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's uh, so. I think Google Bar that was released. I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And I, I remember these like Twitter reply guys saying, oh, it's so bad. It's it's telling me Google is a monopoly or something. It was like so someone had, has, had asked it like, oh, is, is Google, a, uh, I don't remember the query, but it was something along the lines of, is Google a, a monopoly? And it was like, yeah, this these are the reasons why Google is a monopoly, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But then like, it's it's nice to hear that it's improving day by day. Because I, I, I didn't think it, that was, Part of the the appeal there, I thought it was like ChatGPT, and it's like the the data set was um, frozen or whatever you'd want to call it. Hmm. 
Interesting. I just uh, I just put in Bard, uh, write me a Svelkit load function for Google YouTube API. It looks pretty spot on. Oh wow, <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. So uh, I guess uh, I guess we'll all be out of jobs and, and no. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to go back to farming, I guess. Oh that yeah, is, the good old is, days. <laughs> that is bait, Kev. That is bait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the thing the thing is. Um, Ah, oh, he was someone was saying the other day. It was basically comes down to you know the, the jobs will be there for those who understand how to how to use AI to make their job better. Because yeah. we we like as developers, we do spend our entire life automating our own jobs so that we can do more important or interesting things, and then we're all up in arms about AI taking our jobs away. But it's just doing a lot more of the work for us. So yeah. it's a bit weird to be against it, I guess. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Like I don't yeah. want to write like basic, like fetch this from an API yeah. kind of thing. Over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a quick word from our sponsor. Vercel is the platform for front-end developers, providing the speed and reliability innovators need to create at the moment of inspiration. Founded by the creators of Next.js, Vercel has zero configuration support for 35-plus front-end frameworks, including SvelteKit. We enable the world's largest brands like Under Armour, eBay, and Nintendo to iterate faster and create quality software. Try out Vercel today to experience the easiest way to use Svelte. All right, yeah. So, so let's let's talk a bit more about like like Svelte, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could talk about that. Yeah. I could so, I could tell you about my my pick if you want. Oh, well, when we get to oh, okay. to, to the to the pick section. Unless you want, I mean, you could talk about it now. That's fine. I mean, it's it's kind of a fun thing that I've been playing around with with Svelte. So, all right, um, let, let's go. Yeah, right, right or wrong, I decided to uh, start forking and not literally click the button fork. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's this there's this great UI package called Skeleton UI, which I'm sure oh, you guys right. have yep. heard of. Yep. So I started peeling that off um, and and started writing my own black cat UI. Um, <laughs> so that's it's it's almost an identical setup because it's clearly a fork of skeleton UI. Um, but I like being able to to kind of be the maintainer of it because you know how things go. Like my experience at AppRite too, it's you know there's ten thousand people putting stuff in and issues in and things like that. And so us as yeah. maintainers, we only have so much time. And it's like I, I think skeleton's gonna have this same issue. I kinda wanna own it myself. So I, I do want to like tweak certain things and change things that's probably not gonna match up with theirs. And I'm like, you know right. what? Why don't I just make my own version of this? So I'm gonna call it Black Cat UI. It's at blackcatui.com. And it's it's amazing what I've learned about writing Svelte just by doing this. Like, yep. I would I would tell anyone, if you want to really deep dive and learn Svelte a little better, um, this is a really cool way to do it. So uh, one thing I have learned is I, I hate that we don't have name slots and layouts, first of all, but... <laughs> right. Um, so uh, there's a there's component side of things. So like learning more about you know name slotting and and reactivity and and things like that as you go along through these through building this out it's it's really been incredible for me to understand kind of what I'll I'll put like the svelte way of doing things if you will yep. um and it's been 
it's been eye-opening and enlightening to the fact that you can keep it relatively simple, um, like JavaScript simple, and yet yep. still have so much power uh, against the UI. So it's been really nice to, to learn a lot of different things going through this. Yeah, it's, I, I think, so I so when I used to uh, work a bit at BuddyBase, we also had like a, a UI kit based on, on Adobe Spectrum. And like building components for, for a UI kit, I, I definitely agree with you. Like you, you get a much deeper understanding for what, what are the strengths, what are the, the, the weaknesses of, of, of the framework. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, like, are there any things in particular that you thought were missing that you would like, oh, this would be nice. I, I you know, you mentioned, uh, named slots in layouts, but that's, that's more of like a layout Svelte kit issue, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, from a Svelte standpoint, I don't think I've really hit anything. Some of the aha moments I, I didn't really realize were there's the reactivity side when you use like the double dollar sign to import any other props that have not been included. Yeah, um, like the rest. I, yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, is it, that's that's the proper name, isn't it? It always throws me off. I'm like, why are they doing a REST API? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, how do I get these through? And in React, we would just do the the spread operator, right? We do dot 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 yeah. and, and grab the rest. And so that was kind of something that caught me off guard a little bit. I thought it would be a little simpler than that. And then I started to understand the reasoning why. And if if you can always take and mentally reset yourself back to this is pre-compiled, there's, there's reasons yeah. that this went this way because of that. I think that always gets me back to the right like headspace when I'm, when I'm using it. So um, that's, a, that's a good, good thing to, to think about. Definitely. Uh, Cause you kind of realize, like you said, we, they can't know the, the props beforehand. So yeah. how, how would that work? But yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some of the some of the like um, animation API stuff is significantly better just because it comes within Svelte. Whereas typically you'd have to like learn a whole nother package, and I th I think that the um, having those built in it is really similar to like the web API side of things, um, and it just comes naturally. Yeah, you know when. When I when I've I've written you know component frameworks in the past, and when I always wrote those, it was it was always kind of like, well, get the button done, and then we'll make the button fancy with like a click animation or that. And now yeah. it's just like so easy. It's like no, just include all of just those variations. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's things like that that have really been shocking to me. Um, Again, huge props to to the team over at Skeleton. They've they've done all the heavy work. This is just me kind of playing around and uh, adjusting it and yeah, adjusting yep. it. Yeah, uh, the the really fun parts like oh, I need an avatar one, and I, I made mine and like put it out there, and then like the next day theirs came out. I was like, oh well, I should have just waited. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's well, stuff like that that's going to be interesting to see, but. Um, it's just different variations. I'll I'll make ours more like cat-like uh, as as we go, yeah. if you will. So, yeah, it's I so 
One thing that always, well, always bugged me is, is, is a bit of a stretch, but has bugged me with Svelte is that it only looks at one component at a time. Mm. I would love for it to be able to like build some kind of graph <clears throat> and just like compile everything into, I don't know, something that, that would optimize all of the different things. I wonder if you could do cool things with the, with the developer experience if you had that capability. But, that would be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah, we're actually using and skeletons using um, Svelde. Uh, I don't know if you've you've heard of no, this tool yet. Svelde. I don't know what it does. Say. Yeah, it so, sounds familiar. So Svelde, it it actually takes like the the TypeScript definitions for the components, and it actually um, analyzes like the props and and slots and things like that, and it'll provide back out documentation for those. Oh, nice. Excuse me. Um, so I found that to be a really cool uh, tool. And it's also, um, I'm kind of curious from you guys. Uh, let's see, uh, are you TypeScript or JS doc? Or all um, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I, I'm, I'm kind of neither. I'm just okay. JavaScript. But um, I like the idea of the JS doc thing. I have a massive version of comments, as some people already know. So it's kind of an internal fight with myself. Like I'm adding comments to my code, which is not good, but I am getting effectively TypeScript without compilation, which is good. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I'm going to just say JS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I think I'm a, in the TypeScript camp. Okay. So yeah. I, for the longest time, I've been a huge TypeScript fan and just checking out JS doc. The one thing that I hate, um, uh, hate's a strong word. Well, one one thing I dislike about writing um, Google functions and like Firebase Cloud functions and AppRate functions is yeah. you can't just drop those in and use them for like Node. So it if you have all the TypeScript yeah. types in there and stuff like that, and JS Doc was always kind of this thing that like yeah is it okay isn't it okay and I really enjoyed it, but I ran a poll yep. and people. Um, we're like 90% TypeScript still. So we switched everything back to TypeScript. And uh. um, it's it's provided a lot of nice tooling that I kind of forgot about. Um, and Svelte is, is one of those things that kind of stands out for me now. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah. So this uh, JS doc TypeScript thing, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys have followed the, the controversy recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you heard about this, Alex? I don't. I don't know the controversy. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. So, so basically, uh, there was an article by I, I forget wh which publication that they'd interviewed uh, Rich about um, how Svelte is moving from TypeScript to JS Doc on like internally, right? And this this made people think that Svelte wouldn't support TypeScript as like for the end users, right? But it's basically, so there was this whole controversy where people were like, oh, Svelte is moving away from TypeScript. This is so bad, blah, blah, blah. It's hilarious. So so basically, I'm, I'm going to have him, have him on uh, for a devlog next week. Nice. I think maybe, I think it's next, next week. Um, and we're going to chat a bit about this. Uh, so that might be interesting to, to listen to. Um, it's probably going to be out when this is, when this comes out, so I'll put it in the in the show notes for anyone listening. Um, but yeah, that was that was fun. But Twitter is always like that, though. It's, 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 it uh, is, and, and the thing that got me was was um, a certain person who will not be named 
um, saying that it's nice. Uh, it was the it was the fact that one of the big wins for us in terms of TypeScript, uh, not using TypeScript, is that we don't have a compilation step, and right. that was seen by a particular Twitter personality as it's nice to admit. It's nice for the Svelte team to admit that compilation is a bad thing, something along those ah. lines. And I thought that was very, very provocative, such that I closed Twitter and didn't answer. <laughs> oh, you, you managed um, to, to not reply? I managed to not reply, you know, because it, I, cause I knew exactly what that person was trying to do. And I just thought I'm not going to get involved this time. It's just it's a waste of time. But it's, <laughs> but it's interesting because, yeah, it does, it does definitely split people a bit, doesn't it? The whole, the whole, um, the whole TypeScript thing. And I hadn't really thought about it in terms of compilation because I'm so used to now people writing things in TypeScript and it turning to JavaScript that I hadn't really thought of it as comp compilation. Right. But it does, it abstracts you again one step away. Um, and the reason I don't like it is it puts me back in, in the old days where I think everyone was using Babel because nothing worked in browsers. And I would open up libraries and just want to modify something in my node modules because you could do that in JavaScript. And I came from a Java world where you couldn't. And because it's compiled in JavaScript, you could, but every time I opened a node module to just tweak something to see if it worked, I couldn't because it had a dist file. And in the dist file was a bunch of minified JavaScript that I couldn't fathom, couldn't edit. And I was like, yeah. this is this is taking away the one thing that I really like about node modules and about JavaScript is taking it away. And that eventually disappeared, which is amazing because here we are in, in, in modern browsers and stuff, and that's all gone away. CoffeeScript being another example of that happening. Um, but then now it's TypeScript, which then compiles again, and, and there you are again, stuck with compiled things. You can't just edit on the fly to test things out. And it makes you, you've got to go through the whole package linking thing and, and recompilation and watching files and forgetting to reload. And, you know, it's a step backwards, in my opinion. That was almost a rant, but it's not a rant. It's, it's a rant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Um, any other topics that you want to cover? Anything that we've missed? That we think I'll we ask should... this question. Uh, All right. Svelte Summit Springs coming up, and this might be a question you know that I, I really need. When people are putting CFPs in, what are you guys looking for this year? Oh, that's that's a good question. So I usually look for for everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so so to me, uh, Svelte Summit is is about since it's such a niche conference, right? It's it's a conference about Svelte. It's not a conference about JavaScript. I usually like to see more practical things. So like, look at this cool thing that I built. Here's how to do it. So, something like that. Um, it could be components. It could be um, libraries. It could be anything, really. Um, or Or a showcase of, this is so cool. I built this using Svelte. Um, that would probably be more of like a lightning kind of talk, I guess. Um, I, but in terms of topics, anything really, um, probably focusing a bit more on SvelteKit than Svelte because SvelteKit just came out with a, with a 1.0. I, I guess we're at like 1.15 or something now. <laughs> um, Moving quick. But yeah, yeah. Does, does that answer your question? Absolutely know. does. It's, right. I got to block more time off for some CFPs. So yep. That's perfect. Yeah, the CFP closes. This is going to be closed by the time this this comes out. Um, so there's, I think there's like two or three more days to to submit. Have to get that in. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Cool. So 
Um, now we're going to hear about some uh, unpopular opinions. So I don't have one this week. <laughs> again. So, uh, uh, Anthony, do you want to go first? or I'm happy to go first, actually. Um, right. Mine was based upon uh, what Alex was saying, actually. <clears throat> and that, for me, is, is the whole the whole DX discussion around, you know, the DX being better was felt. I It's kind of controversial because, obviously, UX is king, really, because, you know, you've got, you know, the customer is most important, blah, 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 blah. But I actually think that, you know, on the same level, DX is also king. Um, to the point where I really, really focus on DX because UX is solvable by somebody who isn't me and I should focus on DX. So the reason I think DX is king is because you're trying to build a product that competes with other products in usually a very saturated space. And if your DX sucks and if it takes you ages to iterate and ages to like write software and, and you know experiment with features, if your code isn't something that you can try on people and then throw away because it doesn't work and then tweak it and change it and iterate on it, then you're not going to do all these things. You're going to have to have the solution that you're given be the final solution, get it out there, all polished, done. That's it. If it doesn't work tough, uh, you know, it's really hard to change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that DX is king because ultimately that is driving forward to site, you know, the, the, the platform, the application for your customers. Right. Um, it is as I don't want to put it above above UX because this is controversial, you know, unpopular opinions. I mean, DX I is just UX for developers, right? <laughs> it, it is, <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, and, and not to lose folks on the customer, but I think DX is is, is really helping with that. So, um, yep. yeah, for me, well, that makes sense. DX is king. So working at App, right? I cannot agree more. Like the, the it's DX is what drives our whole product. I mean, we will take yeah. full initiatives and shut them down. If the community is like, this isn't working for us. So couldn't agree more. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Be, I guess it's with developers. Developers are used to quite a good standard of stuff nowadays as well. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. hard, <laughs> pretty hard place to be. I can, I can imagine like dealing with, cause, cause I, I guess you, you guys, you, you're like working with, and you have to think about the DX all of the time as a, as a dev focused product or company yep. i guess it's it's different compared to to like for example beyond right which is a which is a company focused towards like the tourism industry for example yeah yep. yeah so it's it's interesting yeah the the most interesting thing for us even we don't even say customers like we just say developers our developers right. because yep. at the end of the day you know very much vc back and very thankful we are and and things like that but at the end of the day, if the developers don't like the product, there is no product. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just going to be so bad that no one will ever use it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your your UX is your DX, in fact. Exactly. In a, in a way there. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah it's it's our, built by them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think our our level of developer integration is is aimed at and used by people who who know how to use Wix or WordPress, for example. And so the standard of stuff that they're used to, you know, is is bad. So we don't really have to try very hard to provide something that kind of is simple and usable. I would love to have a better DX for us. I would love to have a better uh, developer-facing uh, interface from our from our platform, but we just haven't really needed it right now. It's, it's all iframes and 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 you know, script tags. So, yeah. all right. 
Alex, this one's is for sure controversial. <laughs> Let's hear it. it. It's funny to call it like unpopular. I think there's there's a 50-50 split, 60-40, yep. <laughs> somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, my pick is is Tailwind CSS. I've I've written enough like utility classes in my life to understand it's really cool to just have one that's pretty standardized and used by tons of people. Yep. Um, I, I think, uh, and again, Black Hat UI, Skeleton, that is all skele that is all Tailwind CSS um, under the hood, but like componentized. And I think that's the piece that gets people in trouble. They're like, I don't want 12,000 things in my attributes for, you know, specifying a button. It's like, cool, make that one time like you would with a normal CSS button, but yeah. then use Tailwind for the rest. Like... That's that's the part I think that catches people, and I'm probably gonna get like banned off Twitter after this comes <laughs> out because there's some there's some real hate on that side of it. But yeah. it's just it it's such a nice um, like time saver for me. Yep. Like I can spin anything up that's based on Tailwind and I already know all the utilities. And people that write CSS are going, yeah, you could just write CSS and know the same thing. Yeah. But it's it's cool to be able to then take that and break that down like one step further and say, um, you know, not having to learn all the idiosyncrasies of all those CSS pieces is it's rough. I mean, it's really hard. And then take yeah. um, take and create components for it and using some of the cool selectors that we have now, like the has and not and things like that. Um, quickly use use like dark themes on stuff. Like I could go on and on and on, and um, I, I I don't think anyone should like hate or love you know a single product. If you if you want to use CSS in specific areas, use CSS. Like yeah, it, it's great. But to have all of these utilities set up for like here's a grid column. Here's how I can have one set by default. Here's this thing by default. Like. It's just yeah. leaps and bounds, uh, you know, in the it's, right direction, in my opinion. Do I love all the stuff that comes out in the attributes either? No, I don't love it, but it makes it a lot easier, and it's really cool to read. So I don't know. That's my unpopular opinion is that I do yeah. love Tailwind CSS, and every person that I've <laughs> talked to that really dislikes it, they'll give me reasons, and I'll sit down with them and show them how to do it in Tailwind, and they're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. And that's always right. the like yeah. moment of, okay, good. I'm glad yeah. like you feel okay. It's it's interesting that you picked Tailwind because I've been a staunch, uh, what do you say, anti-Tailwind, not really a very staunch <laughs> one. I, I just haven't really used it and I haven't really liked it that much. But I actually built the latest Svelte Summit website in using Tailwind. And I think it's kind of neat. Like uh, I, I really like the fact that you have like a config where you can just config your colors and your whatever you need, um, your fonts or all that stuff. Um, but the way I've been using it is like I, I've mostly been using all of the classes. But then for for some stuff, it's it's a bit um, rigid, I'd say. Like for for getting nicely done like grid areas, for example, that's that, that gets a bit weird. Like if you're gonna write one long row of area like doesn't work so for, for stuff like that i've just been writing a, a separate class for that and that's yeah. totally fine that's that's kind of the 
that's that's a good way of doing it, I think. Um, you don't have to use all of the features if you don't want to, right? Right. The nice so. part, um, like with Grid, is, is a great example because I don't think anyone loves their default setup for Grid. It's yeah. kind of funny. But with the new um, just-in-time compilation that they have, you can actually put brackets like anywhere yeah. and make it how you want. So like typically on Grid, people are, are going to use like Grid and then you know, make a row and then do bracket and mm -hmm. they can put like one FR, one FR and like whatever they want and boom, you're done. Yeah. And so it's, it does get some getting used to. And I think the argument there is always, well, if I'm going to get used to that, why wouldn't I just learn CSS? And it's like, right. you should learn both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've enjoyed it. Like I'm definitely going to use it for, for upcoming projects, especially like the, the getting things up and running very fast is, yeah. is what I like. Yeah. That's, That's like the part I really love is you throw away all the components and everything else. I, it's so quick to like put all yep. that together. And people are like, well, I have this like snippet file of things I just used to do that. I'm like, I do too. It's called Tailwind. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's my thought. I'll just leave it at that. All right. I think, yeah. yeah I, I mean, because I think the same Tailwind is one of those things that I struggled at the start with. And I think I, I still would struggle with it for my own projects if I had full full control over it. But um, it's easy to remove when you want to customize stuff and make it your own way. Whereas my biggest bugbear seeing Tailwind was my same opinion for every CSS framework that comes along is that like like Bulma, for example, it it dominates your your code and it's really hard to remove because you've ended up spending so much time customizing to make it look correct that you can't remove it then. Um, whereas with right. Tailwind, yeah. I think you just remove the classes and and style the components right, and it's you've not lost anything, and it can be done one by one. I think that's a real uh, an under, an underrated thing about Tailwind. Yeah, no, that yeah, makes that's sense. one of the tricky things with writing the component libraries: how many components to specify um, as <laughs> a spelt component only. It's it's a little tricky because. If you want to be like a HTML purist, you kind of start to get out of that a little bit um, with all the Svelte side of things. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that, that is yep. challenging for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Reading Tailwind is is what can be tough for me sometimes. That's that's probably the the biggest downside. Uh, I I have trouble like parsing it mentally. I actually I have like the reverse problem because I've written it so long. Like I'll be like, oh right, what's items center actually mean in CSS? <laughs> Which is really bad. Right. It should be pretty straightforward. Well CSS is hard. Like it, it is definitely harder than you would think. So I can't believe Just, the the newer tools in CSS, like the headers yeah, so things cool. like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I saw and and like the like Chrome has this, uh, they have types for custom properties now, which is super cool. And Safari released it yesterday, so now we're just waiting for for Firefox. I actually Both opened Firefox. a. They're they're so far behind. Yeah, everything they're. Now. Yeah, now yeah, that same. Safari has, or rather, WebKit, the WebKit team seems to have gotten, I don't know, funding from above or something yeah. <laughs> to actually do stuff. They're they're shipping a lot and very fast as well. Yeah. I think they're actually shipping stuff faster than the Chrome team at the moment, which is kind of scary in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I actually opened a, a, an issue for a feature request on the Svelte um, GitHub repo uh, a couple of days ago, where I thought it would be cool if you could have typed CSS custom properties. Because you know like how you can pass in 
custom property values straight onto a Svelte component, right? You just as a as a prop, but you prepend it with a two dashes, right? Wouldn't it be cool if those could be typed as well? Because they aren't now. So, what if you could just like have that CSS typing property thing in your CSS style tag, and then the Svelte language tools would pick those up, and you're like trying to pass in a number, but it's just like, oh, this is this isn't a color. You should pass in a color, and it wouldn't compile or something, or a warning at least. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. Not that I use those features that much anymore, since since I use Tailwind, but that'd be cool. <laughs> that's a that's another thing in this uh, UI kit. It's it's all CSS variable based. So switching a theme, it's just update your your. Yep. Sorry, what's the correct word for CSS real? Custom. Is that a, a custom property. Custom yeah. property. Yeah. So yeah. just I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Because <laughs> I think they were named CSS variables at some point. I think the there spec. is another um, like RFC that specifies CSS. I, I heard of yeah. like a uh, podcast on it once. Why they went away from that name? It's like ah, oh, she just took it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah. they are still called var, right? They are like prefixed var. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, yeah, var, and then yeah, I guess the function, the CSS function, is called var. It's weird. <laughs> but, <It's> yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of Tailwind, may, maybe a bit of a an, an interesting discussion would be: should should Tailwind be built into the frameworks? So, there is a framework called Imba that does this. That's true. Um, right? So, should should Svelte make built-in support for Tailwind? Like, should it be built into the network? To, uh, sorry, the framework. Wow, that's okay. that's something that'll probably uh, get everyone in trouble. <laughs> yeah, and, but then then you start thinking what, about I it, like Scrimba and that Imba team, the, what they're doing with that though, and yeah. it's kind of amazing because they're not running any VDOM either. So it's no, it's, it's amazing what they're accomplishing. It's it's really cool, like the like the Scrimba website. I remember, so I've told this thing on the on the podcast a couple of times already, but it, it, it's worth mentioning again. Like I went to the to the Scrimba website the first time and I started watching something. And then then I realized that I can just pause the video and just change the code. Like yeah. and I realized, oh it's it's not a video? Because it's just like perfect like 60 frames per second kind of kind of experience. It's it's a really well built website. At least it was. I haven't been to it in a, in a while now. So yeah, I, yeah, I tried hacking through that because that's exactly what I've always wanted to build for Coding Cat. And you know, usually we're writing stuff more like uh, what Rich has on the. Um, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it Learn that Svelte that Dev? No, that's right. One uh, of them. Yes. Okay. That's the new um, one. Yeah. It's kind of more that style, but the way that Scrim is doing it is unbelievable. Like it's it's almost baked into the DOM itself. Um, and then yeah. the video sync. I do not like how they yeah. record, though. I, I tried doing their, mm -hmm. their teaching. Um, I submitted to be a teacher on Scrima and oh. walk through that and like the editing experience. I'm like, oh, this is this is something it's not I good. need to work on. But the right. actual product at the end is incredible yep. for, for those taking it. So pretty neat. I do wonder though, like, how would it actually look if it was built into Svelte? Like, w would it really be any different than just being classes? Probably yeah, not. That's interesting. I don't know. How would you change it, right? Because <laughs> you still want. That's that's one of the things with Imba. It kind of 
goes this completely different direction and it kind of looks like Ruby on Rails, kind of, in a sense, like the same syntax kind of thing that's going on over there. Anyway, we could probably talk <laughs> talk about this for for days, but um, let's let's continue to to picks. So uh, I'm gonna pick the YouTube Shorts on Svelte Society. If you haven't watched them, go watch them. They're very fun. Um, they're very uh, very short attention span kind of content, <laughs> like thirty seconds long with the with the silences removed from everywhere. So it's just like some. So I've, we've got this this video of Rich talking about Svelte Four News, um, and uh, it's basically just clips from from longer videos that are on that are on Svelte Society. So if you've already watched the longer videos, you're not missing out. But it's still it's still like the experience of making them is it, it actually is kind of fun, but I can see it becoming very tedious very quickly. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's my pick. Go watch them. <laughs> I, my, my original pick we already talked about, uh, was uh, blackcatui.com. Definitely yep. check it out. But as just a kind of offhanded pick, it was my birthday on Friday and my wife got me a, a heated desk pad because I'm in my basement. Um, I didn't think I'd, I'd use it that much because my fingers are always on the keyboard, but surprisingly, like the backs of my hands are still down and uh, it, the warmth yeah. that I'm getting is just unreal. So definitely what? check those out if you're working That's in a cool. cave like I am. <laughs> or just in England, like, well, like I am. <laughs> They're always cold. Well, I yeah. mean, I don't know if you guys can see what it looks like outside here, but it's basically like snowy and wow, uh, disgusting. Sweden, snow in Sweden, eh? Who yeah. knew? Who, who could have thought? We actually thought we were getting spring because it was like oh. 12 degrees Celsius and it was like, oh, that's very nice. Sun is out. <laughs> and then two days later, we get this snowstorm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it's the year Michigan. it's the yearly baked the the yearly baked yeah. spring is what we call it well maybe maybe don't really we i don't think we actually call it that but it sounds fun <laughs> anyway sorry <laughs> uh, yeah so for my pick discovered the other day actually but uh i think it's a new way of managing your uh package manager dependency so mbm came and went uh people started using things like volta uh, or some other some other solution. Volta I've been using for a while. It's fine, um, but it has issues uh, that caught someone out. Again, I can't remember their Twitter handle the other day. But essentially, if it, it installs things like pmpm with a global version of Node that doesn't match the version of Node, it pins to your project. So you can sometimes find that your build will run with a different version of Node than the one you actually have in your project, which mm. for me defeats the purpose. And it's very confusing. It's documented but also in a confusing way. So I've been looking at some of my team just don't want to use Volta and that's fair, but it kind of defeats the purpose of it because it's supposed to be, it locks us all to each project having a specific version of Node and a specific package manager. So luckily I've noticed, oh, and, and only allow PMPM, which is a package you install so that if you type PMPM in a project that uses PMPM, it will say, no, you must use PMPM. It doesn't work. <laughs> it, it's never worked. I, I don't know what the deal is with it, but it's never actually worked. Uh, so package manager now is a new field you can specify in your package JSON since node 16 or something recently, or node 16 and node 18, I believe it's in, and that will tell NPM to always use that package manager 
at that version, that exact version, instead of the one that's installed in your machine or the one that you've called it with. So if you call it the PMPM or NPM, whatever else, it will look at that field and go, I should use this instead, which is exactly what we're trying to do. It solves the whole problem. Um, everyone working on that project will be using that specific package manager and stuff will be predictable and nice and smooth again. So my pick is uh, only recently discovered a couple of days ago, really, I only recently used and implemented, but use that field because it takes away a lot of um, mystery, I would say. <laughs> so yeah, the package manager package manager field in package.json. Cool pick. Nice. All right, I think, I think that's it. Um... Unless we have anything that I've forgotten, I think that's that. It, that is it. Yeah. The only the only right. addition I'll I'll give you is uh, Svelte's yeah. um, package version. When you go through like the the setup, and you can pick is this the library versus not. Um, that has been really nice to be able to um, to publish out npm packages. So just FYI. Mm. And recently, yeah. uh, rejigged yeah. as well, in fact, because it was uh, doing a bit too much before. I think that was uh, rushed out. Well, maybe not rushed out, but like prepared for for this felt hackathon, I guess. Yeah, that's probably so, that's probably very likely. Yeah, cool, um, Alex. It was a treat having you on. Um, uh, let's do this again. Um, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me at CoderCatDev. If you actually accidentally end up at CodingCatDev, you'll find me all over the place on there. So uh, <laughs> no no problem there. People get confused all the time. Uh, definitely come on over to the AppRite server too and say hello. So kind of float around those two areas quite a bit. All right. And you also awesome. have a you have a podcast. I guess that's the CoderCatDev Dev. That's where yeah, they so, find the podcast. Um, Coding Cat Dev, uh, you can find all the, the podcasts list, uh, listed out. Uh, a familiar face uh, on this show, Brittany yes. Postma, is also my my co-host for Coding Cat Dev podcasts. So definitely check us out there too. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. And uh, to all the listeners, we'll uh, see you or hear you. Well, we won't hear you. You will hear us next week. And uh, yeah. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Kevir. If you like the show, please drop a review on your favorite podcast player. It would help out a lot. Thanks.